0: ah hello my friends hello my life warriors wherever you are in the world welcome to the day in day out podcast Woo! Today on episode 214, I was very privileged to have Catherine Ewing on the podcast. She is a uh, psycho spiritual coach, mentor, speaker, workshop leader at uh, Sacred Heart uh, Alchemy, and yeah, Sacred Heart uh, Sisterhood. We talked about a number of things today on the podcast. We talked about her, her 40 years working as a social worker uh we talked about also what led her to become a therapist uh we talked about yeah the sort of healing like methods she uses uh on like on occasions to help people and yeah it was a very enlightening conversation to say the least uh yeah so yeah please sit back enjoy the show uh, don't forget subscribe if you can and yeah have a wonderful day and a a charming cup of tea. Ha <laughs> ha. See you for now. Bye-bye. Peace. Baby go. Ah, hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Day In, Day Out Podcast. Woo! Today on episode 214. I'm very privilege, uh, a joy to have Katherine uh, uh She is a uh, oh, psycho-spiritual coach, mentor, speaker, workshop leader at uh, Sacred Heart uh, Alchemy, and mm-hmm. yes, uh, Sacred Heart uh, Sisterhood. How are you today, m'lady?
1: I am awesome. <laughs> even even better since feeling your energy that's awesome too
0: uh what can I say what can I say I have to send out a number of rubber checks where compliments will go out there don't <laughs> no, no never do. but yes now I have to ask like how did you get on this journey of being like yeah uh, like a psycho spiritual coach mentor speaker workshop leader you've done it seems like you've like dip your toes or have your irons in many different fires.
1: I have, you know, at, at the bottom at, at the beginning of well, really not at the beginning, but so well, I'm really a licensed clinical social worker.
2: Okay. So I've
1: been working as a social worker for forty years, twenty seven of those in private practice, um, and it was when I went into private practice, well. Before I went into private practice, I was working in sexual assault, domestic violence, rape crisis work, mm. child abuse—really, you know, in the in, in the in the down and dirty of life—and yeah. you know, really a lot of trauma and stuff. And never wanted, never thought I'd be a therapist. And then, as spirit moves us, I started hearing this little voice in my head. It was not a mental illness, but it was being led. And I, and I joined a therapy practice with some people that I knew, and I pretty quickly found out that the traditional way of doing therapy didn't feel fulfilling to me. I didn't feel like I was really helping my clients as much as I could. In fact, sometimes, because most of my clients had a lot of trauma and dysfunctional childhood, a lot of loss, abandonment, abuse, yeah. I felt like just having them talk about it was actually re-victimizing them in a way. Yeah. And we just, they can only talk about what they know. And most of it's pushed down into the subconscious mind. So they don't know what they don't know, right? So, and how can you heal it if you, if you don't bring it into conscious awareness? So mm. that need and desire to work in a different way with my clients. And also for me, because I wasn't going to be able to keep doing it if I couldn't have found a more authentic honoring holistic for lack of a better word way to work with people and i think that was just you know again the universe putting me on a path and saying here so what happened was because i'm not really clinical i'm not into really diagnoses and all all of that i think we put people in boxes and then we don't see them as human beings anymore yeah and and so i took a different path i went the path of becoming an energy healer in many different modalities. Um, I went through two years of an alternative ministry program called, so I'm a minister of spiritual peacemaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I dove very deeply into the <clears throat> divide masculine and feminine and balancing those energies you know, in myself, in the world, looking at the models of that, um, Yeshua and Magdalene, um, you know, a few different models in the world of both embodied masculine and feminine, and then within the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of became my path, energy work, metaphysics, spirituality, you know, honoring the divine feminine, um, all In the context of healing trauma, so that we can create heaven on earth. Ah. So my bottom line is, when we do our own healing work, we heal the collective. So, ooh, I just got chills. Did you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there you go. Bam.
1: Yeah. So that's that's the story. That's how you know. And I always, I, I just think that spirit moves us in, in ways that we don't expect. And in that process, I went through a major life transformation after 30 years of marriage. I left my marriage, I left my children there with their dad, my pets, my employment. I, I, I moved from a 2,500 you know, square foot house in the suburbs to a 200 foot room in someone's basement and I opened a healing center, and I reimagined my life. I sort of, um, yeah, at 52. So, you know, the truth was, and it's funny, I just wrote a a post about this this morning, that, you know, there were times when, with all of the spiritual awakening, and all of that, and all of the changes going on, all the decisions I was making, um, and I'm just going to throw this in, and maybe if you have women older women listening going through menopause at the same time <laughs> they well, that's a lot change
0: to go through there are moments
1: <laughs> when moments for years when i, I didn't you know it's hard to find the line between is this a spiritual awakening or just a friggin' total complete nervous breakdown <laughs> So I'm yeah. still here and I'm oh. still smiling. So I'm guessing it was a spiritual
0: awakening. I'm gonna go with the spiritual, go with awakening. spiritual awakening. Yeah, so, you know it's like. I'm just like, yeah. Don't want to be going up like meeting your friends if they hear this already for like this. Like, <laughs> hey, how you doing? Hey, this is great. Yeah, just watch you, watch you carefully. Hey, don't go away from the sharp objects. Hey, uh,
1: hey. well, yeah. people who know me have heard that story before, so you know. Uh, whether they believe it
0: or not, it's, you know. Yeah. Like, because this is the thing your story is like kind of fascinating because, like, you're in, like, there are many different things, like sectors, jobs, which you can take in this world where I call them sort of frontline, like, jobs which how can I say you see the real sort of gritty side of humanity like it would sometimes like if you stick with it for as long as you have it sometimes must be a challenge to look at the human race and go where the positive points and because yes lies defeat and like horrors and like negativity you won't like believe would Mm -hmm. you say like sort of delving into the realm of like therapy. It was kind of like helping you adjust your very own energy as well as helping others adjust their energy.
1: Oh, what a good question. I mean, absolutely. I, you know, I think the fact that I started to get that message Mm. at that point in my life um, was really spirit, source, God, goddess, you know, universe, whatever you want to call it. Literally putting me on a different path, mm-hmm. and um, you know when I first started looking for other ways to work with clients in my ego mind, my limited ego mind, I thought that's exactly what it was—looking for other ways to work with clients. Mm. What it's turned out to be completely was my own <laughs> personal journey of healing and awakening, and um walking my talk walking my talk because for me now you know i i i I, this is why i call myself now a coach and a guide and a mentor rather than a therapist um because i just feel like i'm turning around and offering my hand to the next woman coming behind me who's maybe traversing some of those same um same issues. You know, the the details may not look the same. You know, I may not have grown up in a family that looked like hers, or I may not have had certain things. But, you know, I had both my parents die when I was fairly young. I had a brother with mental illness. My Mm. dad, after my mother died, struggled with alcoholism. So, you know, I was, I experienced an acquaintance rape by the captain of the football team, you know, so classic. So, it's, it's not just the professional side and all of the you know, metaphysical and spiritual learnings. It's my own personal experience of walking th- through this life um, mm. as, you know, as, as a woman and as a, as a woman of privilege, but also that had certain experiences um, that allow me to relate
0: I often sometimes find when people like speak of positions of privilege it's like it's a case of it's people's life experience and like this is the thing really and truthfully some of the like some of the knocks and bruises and scars you can pick up through life where like where some people could be like have a tough upbringing because they didn't have like enough to eat or anything like this other people can like living pretty much a gilded cage and yeah have like all the horrors of the world come to them but uh, everyone who looks at it from the outside it looks pristine it looks nice it's like it's just one of those things I always have like privilege it's like look before you say privilege here there like understand the journey someone's gone on and then like yeah Privilege. Yeah. It's the life they live. And like that life sometimes is not easy by any stretch of the measure, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, I, I absolutely agree with what you said because the the facade, the exterior hmm. can hide, we, you know, I used to see some of the most terrible cases of emotional abuse and um in very wealthy homes, you know, in the area, when I was working, you know, I, I was a, a social worker in the area of child abuse and neglect. And I and I specialized in sexual abuse and severe family violence. So mm. burnings, blindings, broken limbs, you know, um, child death, obviously. <clears throat> and they didn't just happen in the, you know, poor end of town or the wrong side of the tracks Mm. very often behind closed doors when no neighbors are close enough to hear you know you find so when I talk about privilege you know the ability to get two degrees right two Mm. master's degrees and growing up in a pretty healthy family where my you know my dad worked hard and my mom raised eight children Mm. (laughs) and we had enough to eat and we had you know, close our backs and and all of that. So.
0: Wow. <laughs> Okay, eight children. Okay, well,
1: I remember, <laughs> what
0: can I say uh, uh, all I've got to say is no wonder why you maybe like went. I need some personal space. Not I know if it's <laughs> you guys, just <laughs> yes, I just I just want to I want to really be alone. Just have that sensation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, it's, well, I have to say, probably of everyone in my family, <clears throat> except maybe my younger brother, I got that the most because I had six brothers and they were all crammed in room. <laughs> You know, three or four of them sleeping in a room together and then my sister who is the oldest and I'm seventh so she moved out at 18 she went into the convent so I had my own room as the only girl um, <laughs> you know, that's privilege too. Right? <laughs> well, my poor brothers were like you know sleeping on bunk beds or whatever
0: Okay, yeah, that's privileged People like your brothers will sort of look at you in envy. It's like, oh, how am I gonna be able to live in this room by myself while the <laughs> six of you just have to bunker?
1: And at the time, you know, earlier on, my my for reasons that we don't have to go into, but my grandmother and I moved in with us, so there were there were twelve of us who moved into this. Well. 11 and three quarters, because my mom, God rest her soul, was 45 when my youngest brother was born. Oh, my God. So she moved a family of 11, basically, from New York to New Jersey, while pregnant with her eighth child at 45. (laughs) God bless her. Oh, my (laughs) Lord. And I know people have much, you know, you know, stories that I'm sure could top that. But so there were a lot of us in the house.
0: Yeah, you were free short from a football team.
1: <laughs> Just
0: like, oh my God! It's like, wow! <laughs> so, wow! With like with okay, like a rather packed like childhood of company and everything like this. Is that where you kind of found your way to, like, going? You know what? I want to be a social worker. Uh, or was it a case of you found that later in the sort of journey of your life, would you say?
1: Well, before I knew I wanted to be a social worker, um, when I was seven, I started Catholic school because it hadn't been built yet when I was in in first grade, so I went in when I was in second grade. And I distinctly remember one day, the nun asking us what we wanted to be when I grew up. And I just said a priest because I was having visions as a six and seven year old girl of, so in a Catholic church on the back wall in a little vault is where they keep the hosts called, Uh. you know, the sacristy or whatever. And then there's some, and I used to have dreams that the church was being um, attacked by marauders don't ask me where i knew that word at six or, seven. <laughs> he's like, he's like, six or seven and it was my job to protect the host because the host is then what gets blessed as the body and blood of christ which yeah. becomes holy communion right and so i don't know i guess i thought all catholic kids had those dreams or visions i didn't know what they were but apparently not, because when I announced that I was going to be a priest, I was, you know, very quickly <laughs> smacked out and told that girls could not be priests, that only boys could be priests. And I say, I still think that was my first radical moment. I was like, damn, <laughs> my, a- my dumb brothers.
0: Can be- <laughs> well, it's like, like, Hey, look, look. I, I'm not going to cast dispersions on like, on your brothers like look I'm sure they're very nice and pleasant gentlemen <laughs> how dare you call them stupid <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah I can imagine so like...
1: I think you know the serious answer to your question I think I've always had a leaning towards service of some mm. kind being in service Obviously, I didn't become a Catholic priest, but at 50, I became the ordained minister of spiritual peacemaking. So something was still calling to me in all of those years. Mm. And then when I was a teenager, I started doing some volunteer. Well, I was always politically active. So I worked on political campaigns and I was a social activist, marched for the ERA for so many years. We still don't have one, by the way, in the United States, an Equal Rights Amendment, um, but that's a whole nother story for another day. <laughs> is
0: that, is that not, uh, but I um, was
1: always, I was always sort of an activist, and even, yeah. even as a teenager, working on campaigns, volunteering in group homes for girls, you know, who had to be placed in group homes. So I sort of naturally had the inclination. And I think when I look at things like my birth charts, or my uh, gene keys, or human design code, or my numerology. It's all about being in service Mm. and it's all about um, a path of unconditional love. So I feel like I've been on this path of unconditional love, trying to live in that for, you know, and sometimes I'm really bad at it. Sometimes I do okay. Um, So I think. know, I think I was wired that way. I think it's in my DNA. I think my soul decided that's what I was going to do when I got down here. But anyway, I ended up in graduate school for social work and uh, got my master's in social work when I was just 24. And like I said, did that very grassroots kind of social work for 12 years or so, and then was invited (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to turn my attention elsewhere and start to do uh direct service psychotherapy work yeah <clears throat> so
0: there you go <laughs> Got, like lots of food for thought there uh yeah that uh, the equal rights uh movement for like ladies um, um <clears throat> as an observer from the uk let's just say they're there are certain things I think will come before uh, that happens in the United States. Not to be bad to you, but it's just like yes, I think the rapture will come around uh, the second <laughs> time. It's the rapture. <laughs> and, yeah, wait. The, so, yeah, we really...
1: seem to be moving in the opposite direction here, which is <clears throat> you
0: know yes, you know, Let's you, just and, say, and,
1: and when you try to live, so my, so my. Um, when I took my vows as, a, as an ordained minister of spiritual peacemaking, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, by the way, <laughs> uh-huh. um, they were vows of surrender, trust, and gratitude, not the poverty, chastity, well, I wasn't going for that, but surrender, trust, and gratitude. And so I've, you know, I've tried to live into that. Um, and part of it is, surrendering to the fact that everything is happening for a reason that I can't understand from my human perspective so it's been particularly challenging the last six years or so
2: Mm -hmm. to
1: be in the climate that we've been in and hold all of that (laughs) in surrender and trust and gratitude
0: yeah because like this is the thing like okay like when you say surrender trust and gratitude, gratitude I get, gratitude I understand. Like surrender, I'm like, surrender? Why surrender? And like, yeah, trust. Like, and it'll be a case of trust in what exactly? Is it the, like the mechanics of the universe? Is it putting you where you
2: are? Yeah. Yeah, so f-
1: surrender for me, is sounds sort of like my will for me, mm. and God's will for me, sort of aligned, right? Okay. So getting out of my ego mind, mm. and connecting more with divine mind to inform, uh, you know, like when I went in to be a psychotherapist, that was not something I mean, I was very much against it. I thought psychotherapy was just for wealthy indulged people to sit around and contemplate their belly buttons I really didn't understand (laughs) hey I was only you know
0: 23 24 at the time but the arrogance of the young what's that about
1: (laughs) so it's it's trusting that God wants for me what I want for me what my soul in contract came here to do So get my, my ego, my mind that thinks I know what I know and, um, open, open that up. So that's the surrender part. It's not like waving a white flag and saying, Oh, (laughs) 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 that's that's not it. Um, trust is, is more of that. It's sort of, I trust that I'm guided and protected in every moment
2: Mm.
1: and that, I am exactly where I am meant to be on my path. And also trusting that other people are on their path and it's not my place to interfere with their path. I hear yeah. Every soul has chosen, in my, in my opinion, every soul has chosen its reason for incarnating on earth at this time. And who am I to assume that I know what somebody's path is? Or what role they agreed to play? Like Judas Iscariot, you
0: know? Go with Judas
1: Um, right there. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the trust. And then the gratitude uh, for everything, basically. But not only like, oh, it's a beautiful day. Oh, you know what? Somebody complimented my earring like, you know, (laughs) but gratitude for uh, the dark nights of the soul where we come out the other side transformed, right? So even the things like gratitude for that difficult decision to end a 30 year marriage because that was going to allow me to transform into another aspect of myself. Like Mm. that was complete and it was time for something else. So, you know, even gratitude for the stuff that doesn't always look so good on the surface.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Because like, this is the thing, like all of those, like basically like uh, trust, surrender, surrender. Gratitude. Uh, like basically, it takes a lot of sort of self reflection uh, on that, sort of asking those tough questions of oneself, which people don't like to do uh, because um, sometimes when that truth looks back, Uh, It sometimes shows, how can I put it? It sometimes shows our inherent flaws, our weaknesses, the things which might seem ugly to us uh, in that moment. And basically facing that and sort of like, yeah, having your kind of, how can I say, Dorian Gray moment, like all of the sins of the world you've put out there, being in this sort of either magical picture or in that mirror, which you then look at and go, "Oh, uh, that's yeah. who I'm truly yeah. at. And the
1: other, you know, the other—that's uh, absolutely true. So, thank you for that. And the other thing I would say is, <clears throat> because of the role of our primitive brain, which is to keep us safe yes. and free from harm, it doesn't want us to. See those truths or re-experience those things. <clears throat> so, in fact, I was just um, finishing up. I'm I'm going to be doing a webinar shortly on the four different types of stress responses and responses to um, post-traumatic triggers. So it's the fight, flight, freeze, fawn response. And there's lots of ways that our mind will keep us from uh, recognizing the painful things, whether it's things that have been done to us or things that we may have done to ourselves or, or other people. So the mechanics of the brain in that way work against us because certain patterns were created when we were children to allow us to move through perhaps very physical or emotionally challenging or psychologically challenging experiences and all of that gets pushed down <clears throat> into the subconscious so we're not consciously aware of it 24/7 but the programs are still running the things that we learn how to do to defend ourselves or protect ourselves or stop us from being hurt or cut people off so that <clears throat> you know what's that fo- this may not be your kind of football phrase but something about the best offense is a good defense like if yeah. I can, if i can keep them away from me before they have a chance to reject me i win right <laughs> so the brain is masterful masterful at keeping those things away from us keeping us in resistance keeping us in denial i mean it's so masterful that you know people develop different personalities in extreme cases to be able to survive mm terrible torture and abuse yeah um you know i don't want to go too much into that but just just to uh highlight how brilliant the mind is and how it will do whatever it takes to help keep us in survival mode mm.
0: yeah but like this is what i, I- when like you mentioned energy earlier in our conversation and like this is the thing the human mind is a wonderful thing it can like it's helped create marvelous technologies it's helped take us into space it's helped making this conversation possible right now but there's the thing with energy everyone's energy you have a certain amount of energy through the day and yes if your like mind is running a number of different programs at this moment in time to well aid that survival mode help suppress some of the most traumatic things that's energy which is being used up and not necessarily in the realm of healing because you're not actually confronting it it's just keeping it going and as time goes by if some like it just that energy slowly depletes bit by bit by bit yeah, it- till there's a breaking moment i imagine
1: Yeah. It it wears you down literally. Mm Um, you know, if you speaking of technology, you know, um, which I think we mentioned earlier on, but it's like a virus running in the background of your computer. So it slows it down. It pre-populates things with incorrect information. (laughs) (laughs) It causes glitches. Right. Um, And that's exactly because our brain is like a computer, but you know, so, so that happens. It is, it's like a virus running in the background or multiple viruses running in the background that Mm. exhausts us. And from a scientific and, and, you know I am not a cellular biologist, so, (laughs) you know take this all with a little bit of, all right she's giving us the non-scientific version of this, but every emotion in your body is energy, Mm. emotion, energy in motion. If we look at the emotional guidance scale from, you know, Abraham Hicks law of attraction, we see at the top of the scale are things like joy, freedom, gratitude, appreciation, love,
2: Mm.
1: um, optimism, excitement, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we get, you know, a few layers down and we get to hope and then we get to boredom, and then we start to slip off into <laughs> resentment and anger and disappointment and sadness mm. and hurt and loneliness and depression and despair and mm. guilt and shame Wait. all the way down there. So, and they each have their own vibrational frequency because they each have a different chemistry that runs through the body.
0: Mm.
1: It's chemistry. That's how we feel the difference between joy and despondency. Mm. Right? Yeah. And the heavier denser energies of the depression despair guilt shame do not process through the body as quickly as the higher vibrating energies of joy and love and appreciation yeah. and freedom so they literally get stuck in our energy field i you know i, I liken it to excuse this if it's inappropriate but like a septic tank <laughs>
0: That's a picture of everyone's (laughs) mind right now. There you go.
1: And the more compressed, the more of those heavier dense energies they are, the more compressed they get. Mm. Again, the more, you know, slogged down we are, the slower we are, the more the chemistry, the adrenaline and the cortisol, the harsh chemistry of those emotions runs through our system, it literally wears down the DNA. So it creates opportunities for dis-ease and illness to start to take hold in our systems. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're right. (laughs) All that to say, you were right on point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm right about something, people. Mark this day in your calendars. (laughs) Ah, December the 2nd. Uh, of, of December <laughs> It's like yeah 2021 I was right <laughs> But yeah with this Like with like all these sort of Like the heavier the more I denser.
1: just saw something hold on Because you just, when you just said the date It pointed me to my little calendar If you add a zero In front of the two December yeah. two we have a palindrome
0: uh-huh. One
1: Two Zero Two do you
0: see twelve zero two? Ah, you see that's on an American calendar, on a UK okay, calendar, yeah. on a UK calendar. No,
1: no,
2: no. Yeah. <laughs> like, no,
0: because it was like, yeah. wait a second. That would make a palindrome if it was on a like on an American calendar, but no, 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 yeah. no palindrome yeah. here. No. <laughs> like, oh, like, oh. you say tomato,
1: I say tomato. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And like, let yeah, let's pay the whole thing off. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, No, you were close, but, but well, like,
1: I'm looking at mine. So
0: yes, I don't, Yes, awesome. But you have a palindrome. I just have a date. <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, yeah. it's like yeah, there you go. But yeah, with regard as I was saying, with regards to sort of heavy emotions, like the more negative, like like stent where people can get themselves trapped in trying to get out because they just seem to linger uh much more longer uh, and sometimes don't sort of dissipate at all like what would you say would be a sort of technique or strategy people would need to employ to sort of help move them in like out of that sort of funk into a more positive direction
1: yeah good question because this is i mean this is you know, all that early training of going into the energy work and all of that is, is what I figured out. We have to work in the body, you know, as the mm. trauma expert, Bessel van der Kolk says, the body keeps the score, right? And so I use techniques that use both the mind, but also the body. So tapping emotional freedom technique which is like acupuncture without needles. So we're talking, we're using certain words, but we're tapping on acupuncture points to begin to move old stuck energy. So the points that we tap on, you know, there's thousands of acupuncture points in the body. We only use eight or nine, but be, and we use those because they're closest to the surface so we can activate them without having to stick needles in, but also because in the system of Chinese medicine, which is what acupuncture is based on there are meridians, right? Lines of energy that run through the body. And there are some places where several of those meridians either start or end. And so we tap on the places where those there, there are the we're tapping into the greatest number of meridians at one time. So we're saying certain things and we're processing energy and, and moving energy that helps, So say you were, you know, going across the street and you stepped out and all of a sudden you realized there was a car barreling at you and you went. In that moment, everything in that moment gets like frozen in time in your body. And if you don't have a way to let that you know, release, you just eventually go on with your day and, you know, keep moving and then you start to breathe again. Mm. But that, what I call trauma capsule is literally trapped in there.
0: Okay. Yeah. So
1: when we use tapping, I use something else called neurokinesis, which is another, another technique of just moving the hand to stimulate neural pathways in the brain Uh, particularly good with post-traumatic stress disorder because the person doesn't have to tell the story of what happened. They just have to imagine it in their mind.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Somatic experiencing, just breathing into where you notice the related pain or discomfort in your body and bringing spaciousness to it that way. So it's, you know, there are many techniques, um, ways to activate your vagus nerve So your vagus nerve is really a bundle of nerves that moves from the base of your skull to the base of your spine. So it like runs down the whole central column. It's basically the center of your nervous system. And from that, it's like a super highway. It sends information from the mind out to the body and brings information from the body up into the mind. And it's, it goes out to every muscle and organ system in the body. So it's this super highway of information. But very often, we are on the, so there's two parts of the central nervous system the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. Sympathetic is fight or flight. parasympathetic is rest and relax. Most people default into the fight or flight. We're always in some, you know, whether it's (laughs) mild anxiety or just stress or whatever. Mm. And when the vagus nerve isn't fully activated, we tend to be in that fight or flight more often. So any exercises and it can be breath work, it can be literally putting your face in a bowl of ice water and they're holding certain places on your ears where we can activate that vagus nerve. And then that becomes the bridge between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. It helps move us out of fight or flight response into rest and relaxation response. This tapping does that as well. It calms the amygdala, this part of the brain that's always like, what could go wrong? What's out there?
2: Yeah, I a hate Danger
1: you. is
0: lurking. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I'm curious about because with the nervous system, like, yeah, now if someone has something wrong with their nervous system, they might be like paralyzed or anything like that, can they, would they benefit the same way still? Or is it a case of, okay, you've got this trauma now, it's trapped in one part of your body, but it's not going anywhere because it can't doesn't work properly because that trauma might be very extreme uh to get him there and you can't do the will the same techniques work or
1: so this is what i'm going to say i mean obviously i can't give you a medical uh,
0: i'm not not asking for like yeah but
1: i do know that we can do something just as simple as tapping on the side of the hand Mm -hmm. and you know that will affect the neural pathways in the brain. Uh, if someone's paralyzed, I honestly don't know. What I do know is that I worked with a client for a couple of years who was completely paralyzed. She was in a wheelchair. She had shakes. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody could figure out what was wrong with her. She'd been to multiple hospitals. And within about six months of working together, she was out of the wheelchair.
0: <clears throat> now, that's fantastic. Her
1: shaking stops. Um, I would refer people to the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza um, for more specific because he's a chiropractor and he suffered a spinal column injury Mm. and was told he would never walk again. And he began because he because he was a chiropractor and he understood all the anatomy and he knew enough about <clears throat> sort of law of attraction and our thoughts create our reality, that yeah. he literally began seeing himself as healed. Mm-hmm. And if you would see him today, you would never in your wildest imagination think that he's anybody who ever had anything. And that's that's what his work is all about. So Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, Greg Braden, all those people are doctors and scientists. Uh, they could speak to that question much more. You
2: know, in an mm. educated
1: way that I can. I just know what I've seen happen with some of my clients with yeah. personal
0: experience. Like what you help, what you help do for some of your clients. Yeah, that you know, what I mean, that story is fascinating. Um, yeah. So, like, this is the thing. So, what, like, how did the Sacred Heart Alchemy uh, come about? I have to ask.
1: Well, that's another story. <clears throat> I'm so, years for these ago. Stories. <laughs> so, um, originally my business, my coaching business, because in my therapy business, I just went by my name. People just look me up by my name, but for my coaching and my speaking and, you know, some other things, um, my, my original name was reawaken your dreamer. Cause I'm very much, um, interested in helping people, reconnect with the part of them that has stopped dreaming. And for yeah. me, that was after my whole midlife transition. And so I was, you know, particularly pointing that to women in midlife. Right. But at, at a certain point I was working with a coach who was also a shaman. And we took a three day shamanic journey. Um, and in the course of those, as a, as a way to brand, the purpose of it, she was a brander. She was a marketer and a brander, but she was also a shaman.
0: So <laughs> That's yeah, a I very know. unusual combination. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I'm going to take you on a spiritual walk, show you the path. And by the way, I can do a, a meme website and yeah, graphic <laughs> and logos for you. There you go. So, okay.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, she was a graphic designer and artist. But anyway, over the course of those three days, I just, you know, we would sort of go on a journey. We didn't do it three days straight. We would, you know, take a break and, you know, whatever. And I just had so many images, messages of Yeshua and Magdalene, you know, Jesus and Mary Magdalene, um, taking me into old monasteries. Images of Jesus sort of opening up and offering me his heart. Mm-hmm. Mary Magdalene from her womb, when that there's a, there's a painting of Mary Magdalene pregnant, literally sort of handed me a gift. And when I opened it, it was a heart. <laughs> I mean, there are so many. My, um, and there were doves all over the place, like these peace doves. And yeah. the woman who, you know, was leading me on this journey lived in Arizona in her house. She said, I've been swimming in my pool every day for like 12 years. I have never seen a dove, a, a peace dove. There were doves flying over my pool. <laughs> <laughs> so there, and, and my journey has always been about healing the heart, mm. right? Ultimately, that's what we're doing. You know, we're changing the patterns in the mind and all that. But It's all about dropping into the heart so that we can be what I call the, the most Christed expression of ourselves, our highest version of ourselves while in physical form. So anyway, that's the short version, but there were many, many beautiful and very powerful. Um, And I've had other, you know, on, on other like silent walks. When I've been on silent retreats, being invited, you know, do you ever see a tree that has like a scar in the shape of a heart? Like when a tree has been. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I was invited to put my hand into the scar. And I was like, "What? There's bugs in there, <laughs> nasty." And you know, again, they were insistent, so I did, and I immediately heard, "You are a healer of hearts." Um, and alchemy is transformation alchemy is magic right alchemy is transforming one thing into something else and i always say to my clients your deepest wounds are the fertile soil for your greatest gifts mm, i like that. whatever you went through was a path your soul chose that would be the most fertile ground for the gifts you came to bring Mm. whether that was to learn self-love or compassion or forgiveness or sovereignty. Um, So, you know, it's all about the alchemy, the transformation. You're not broken, right? You just went through some stuff and you maybe adopted some ways of surviving that worked for you at a certain period of time, but are not serving you now because it's keeping you apart. It's keeping you separate. It's keeping you in fear and unable to deeply connect with yourself and others. So let's just heal those younger parts so that you can now be who you came here to be.
0: Yeah, I can imagine, like, uh, five years ago when you were 24, like, yeah, <laughs> did you, like, did you expect yourself to be, uh, like, grow so much spiritually uh, in comparison to that youngster back then?
1: No, no. I mean, I, you know, people say to me, oh, my God, you know, you know, so. but I feel like there's a lot of young people on the planet now who are even more advanced you know this path opened for me in my early 40s so Mm. I had lived a long time already Um, I think it was in my genes and in my DNA because of that six and seven year old experience you know I knew that but it had sort of gone dormant you know with with just life and you know living in a big family and having my parents pass away and you know just all that stuff. And then getting married at 22 and raising my own kids. And, you know, so I had to get to a certain point um, for that to all open up. Mm. And I, I feel like, there's you know some of us who have been doing the heavy lifting for a lot of years you know if you think about road construction we were out there with the (laughs) (laughs) shovel and Uh. now we've created this super highway and the energies are higher and the vibration is higher and younger people coming in are now like Flying right by us Us old timers
0: Well like this is the thing I sometimes feel that There are a number of people When they're going through life But at that at crucial times, they've been holding their breath and they haven't had the time to actually uh, take in like a good chunkfuls of fresh air. And when they do have that moment to actually breathe, like a weight sometimes comes off their shoulders or like a moment of awakening comes, like that comes to them. And it's like, oh, right. Ah, I need to do something else. I think with regards to last year, uh, the dreaded year of twenty twenty. I think a number of people had that sort of opportunity to have that moment to like take that breath because it's like, yes, I'm doing the nine to five, got to go, got to go. Kids, got to go, got to go, got to go. And when it was like, yes, you all have to stay at home. And it's like first, most probably pacing the cage, like a like deranged like polar bear, like going back and forth. I'm not liking this, I'm not liking this, I'm not liking this. Then like, yeah. The, the realm of Tiger King and Netflix came to them, <laughs> to many of them, and then, yeah, that sort of moment where it's like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. Is this the oh. life I want
1: to, is the life I've created for myself the life I want to continue?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, I want to just, in our final moments here, because you brought up something that I think is really critical to mention. So, You know, I've been I've been consciously on a spiritual path for, Mm -hmm. I don't know, since the mid 1990s. So a while now. And I remember distinctly reading lots of things back then. You know, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have, you know, all of this social media stuff. We didn't have (laughs) Netflix or fire TV or whatever the hell we have now. So it was a lot of reading and um and a common theme, regardless of who the author is, how long ago they'd written or how recent their book was or what perspective or point of view they were coming from, astrology or science. The common theme was that we were as as humanity, as a species, as earth, going to enter this period of awakening Mm. at some point in the future. And when that happened, in order for that to happen, or concurrent with that happening, because it's part of the 26,000 year cycle of the Earth around the cosmos and where we are in the <clears throat> uh, photon belt, light belt, and all of that. But anyway, okay. In order to create a new world, all of the systems that were in place were going to have to collapse because they were all they—they they were not fixable, right? The greed, the power over, the patriarchy, the you know, there was just no fix in the mess we'd made for 2000 years. So the financial system, the educational system, the healthcare system, the religion, you know, organized religion, whatever else, all of those systems, we're going to have to collapse so that we could create something new in this new higher energy, the age of Aquarius, if you will, that that enter we entered into not that long ago, <laughs> and I used to think, how the heck is that going to happen? <laughs> how can all of these systems collapse at one time? And then COVID hit, and one day I went, holy smokes! Guess what? <laughs> Every darn system is collapsing.
2: Mm. So
1: everything is falling apart. And so my belief with COVID is that we are in a period of rebuilding. It's ugly. It's, you know, talk about the dark night of the soul or pumping out the septic tank. You know, we're, we're still in the thick of it, but there's a much higher energy coming in. I can feel it. I don't know if you can feel it. There's just, we're raising our vibration. And people slowing down and asking themselves that question and listening to their heart instead of their ego mind that says, you gotta get ahead, you gotta have that job, you gotta climb the ladder, you gotta have the trophy wife on your arm, like whatever all that is, people are questioning that. And they're saying, no, that's what the system told me. That's not necessarily what feels right for me anymore. We're being brought back.
0: Yeah, no, but this is the thing. I do feel the winds of change are coming, but like the whole thing is the, like the, where the mystery is for myself, I'm not too sure where those winds of change will take us. I'm not too sure if it's going to take us to a more enlightened place or a darker place. Or is it going to be a case of, yes, this is the, this is the beginning of a new age of everything, or is this a new age of everything which, is totally unexpected not like not quite the age of aquarius maybe not like some like corporate totalitarian system but what will it be that's the mystery for me and that's the sixty-four thousand dollar question i'm like trying to like maul over in my mind right now because the winds of change are blowing and they're blowing hard and, and like this is the thing i think many people do feel that I'm not too sure they know where it's going to take them.
1: Yeah, and I like I feel going back to gratitude. I feel so grateful that I had that grounding and so many things before mm. we got here because it has allowed me to kind of keep my rudder. Not that there aren't moments when I can't fall off, you know, um, but yes, yes. Who, the people I listen to, the the people, the the voices that I trust that I lean into mm. are. talking about us i don't i don't want to make up words but you know moving into this higher vibration i call it creating heaven on earth well, right helping that you I really ascend to that... a
0: higher vibration say that say what helping you ascend to a higher vibration Ascend
1: to a higher vibration yeah and i i believe that that is is the process that's going on you know are we going to see it next week or 20 years from now i don't know i hope i'm still alive <laughs> you know it expressed in a way but the other thing i want to say just before we close is we are incredibly powerful sovereign beings we are energy in form when more of us hold the vision for the life that we want that is increases the likelihood that that is the life that we will create
0: very profound very profound
1: so we either we're either in as Marianne Williams said we're either in creating from love or from fear Mm. so when I talk about unconditional love you know my work is all right it was that response to that person or that article was that coming from love or was that coming from some fear-based place and bringing myself back to that? Because we know we're we're conscious creators. And, And that's why the healing is so important. As I said before, every bit of personal healing, every person who is raising their own vibration, every person who is expanding their own consciousness is contributing to the collective.
0: Hmm. Liking that. Liking that. One final question before we go. What has been one of your biggest gratitude moments of 2021?
1: 2021 gratitude moments. <laughs> well, well, yeah. There, You know, there, there are a lot. So I'm going to, I'm going to make it very, 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 very real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not, so, so I have a six-year-old grandson. Shucks And, um, he, my son, his father, and, uh, his mother are not together oh. and have not been since Benjamin was pretty little. And so it was very challenging early on to find time to be, with him. He was out of the state that I live in for a while, and but now he's back. So my biggest gratitude is that um, this summer, for the first time ever, I was able to set up regular times to spend with him, and and have you know my grandma afternoons with him. And I'm just you know trusting that we're going to build on that now to create you know, our own relationship. And, you know, I say that just for gratitude for what it is. But the other piece is I mentioned that both of my parents passed away. So they both passed away. Um, my mother passed away before I was married. My father passed away before any of my children were born. So my kids didn't grow up with maternal yeah. grandparents. Oh. Um, so it feels particularly um important and sort of tender for me to have that relationship with Benjamin. So I'm grateful for um, that relationship becoming closer and continuing to be even better.
0: Oh, superb. What a lovely note to end on with Benjamin in mind. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Now, Uh, Catherine, can you tell the lovely people how they can find you out there, Catherine? Where on these interwebs?
1: So we talked about Sacred Heart Alchemy. So that's my website. That's the easiest place, probably, www.sacredheartalchemy. There's a, you know, connect with me form or sign up for my newsletter and you get a free, some meditations or something like that. Um, I'm also trying to find my way around Instagram, although, you know, it's an age thing. I'm just, I'm just not so <laughs> adept. I'm trying to get there, but I have an Instagram account. Um, I'm on Facebook. You know, I have my personal page and I also have a women's group called Divinely Inspired Feminine Leaders. Mm-hmm. So if there are any women out there who want to connect and, um, you know, with other women who are in this process of of healing and awakening and transforming I'd love to see them. Um, and as I said, I'm, I'm gonna be uh, doing a webinar uh, soon. I don't know whether it'll be December yet. It's taking a little longer than I expected, but that'll, you know, on, on stress responses and, and some PTSD stuff with an invitation to join a six month coaching program that I'm gonna be doing after that. So that's it. People can find my TED talk, which is also on Sacred Heart Alchemy, healing from the heart just by, you know, using my name. And if you need these links and don't have them, I'm happy to send them to you. I can't remember whether we, we I sent them to you or not.
0: Yep, not to worry, I will be putting the links in there. If I am missing any links, I will definitely be in contact with you to get those sent over. Ah, yes, but well, I've got to say to you, Catherine, yes, thank you for coming on today. You have been a delight, a pleasure, a joy you have been superb fantastic
1: yeah (laughs) just awesome
0: (laughs) there you go there you go and i like to say (laughs) i like to say thank you to you my friends my life warriors for watching staying with us up until this point in time please stay safe stay well be awesome be excellent be fantastic Be all the positive bees you can be in this world and then some. Have a great day, guys.
2: Yes. Yes. Peace.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and we are.